You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 60 minutes, we'll be talking about Peter Capaldi so that you don't have to. I'm JR. Hi, I'm Mark. I'm Neil. And, uh, well, you know, we are recording this, what, just over 30 minutes after the announcement was made, so this is all a bit fresh for all three of us, and literally you're going to have our first impressions here recorded for posterity. Brilliant. But first, before we, before we get into the actual announcement itself... What did either of you two guys make about the programme? Make of the programme? It's all a bit of like a car crash to me at the moment. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I can't remember the programmes so much as I can remember the, the announcements. It's like trying to remember the game before the goal. It's a bit of a blur. It I know was, what you mean. It was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. On paper, I thought um, there was going to be a lot of more studio guests. But mm-hmm. it, was a lot, it was a lot more controlled. Yeah, um, and I like the montages, and I got a little bit weepy at one point with the Matt Smith bit, <laughs> so that was nice. I'll um, tell you what, the bit after they announced him and he made like his sort of "Hi, I'm me" kind of speech, mm-hmm. that kind of got me a little bit as well. It was very surreal, though, the whole thing, don't you think? Yeah, from, from beginning to end, I just it felt like if if I am in a coma, which I have been <laughs> in since two thousand and five, then it's all gone a bit surreal now. You know, maybe I'm, <laughs> I must be close to death. <laughs> the weird thing about it is, you know, I'm trying to think back. Can you imagine them doing something like this for any of the other Doctors? Can you imagine 15 <laughs> years ago if somebody had said to you, one day Doctor Who's going to be popular enough that they're going to break the scheduling on a Sunday night for <laughs> half an hour for a live programme to announce who the new Doctor is? It's insane. In the old days, it's you just crazy. had to accidentally see it on the news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, especially before the internet as well. You had no idea when the announcement was coming. That's right. So, yeah, it's all been a bit surreal. And I just, it makes me feel quite proud in some ways that it's the only show on earth that would generate this kind of attention. But at yeah. the same time, it made me feel a little bit embarrassed by the fact that the BBC were, you know, the way they got all the fans to dress up in, in the yeah. audience. There was a little bit of that to it as well. But it was a lot better than it could have been. It could have yeah. been, you know, a literal... Well, my, my suspicion about that has always been less that they wanted people in the audience dressed as the character than they wanted the kind of people in the audience who would dress up as the character and so would be likely to clap in the right places. <laughs> That's you true. know, because there's been a lot of talk on the forums of people saying, oh, I hope they boo when the Doctor comes out. And I'm thinking, what? why would you want to do that? But, you know, that's what some people That's fandom. Like. Yeah. What did you make of the programme, Mark? I thought, yeah, like Neil said, it it was um, an unusual way to reveal the Doctor. I know they did the confidential last time for, for mm. Matt Smith, which proved quite successful. Um, I like the bits with the former companions, Annika Wills, and talk about Patrick Troughton. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I thought it was a, an unusual way to, to broach the story um, be, would have liked to have seen a bit more of Capaldi but then I suppose you can't really sit there and grill him for hours did, on end I did think they were going to reveal him slightly earlier so mm. that you may have it would have been nice to see him sitting down with Peter Davison 
Oh, yeah. And maybe Bernard Cribbins and having a conversation with the three of them. Poor Rufus Hound. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think he just wanted to curl up in a ball and just lie down on the floor. Bless Don't him. get your facts wrong. <laughs> I can't even get the names right, let alone the facts. Do you think, I think he must have had a little peek backstage when he said uh, Peter Eccleston. Yeah. He had Peter on his uh, mind, definitely. He definitely did, yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's the funny thing. This is the sixth Doctor shared his surname with the fourth Doctor, and now the twelfth Doctor shares his first name with the fifth. It kind of, you know, six and twelve, kind of felt right that he should be sharing a name. I wouldn't read too much into that. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jeff no, likes no. to make these little connections. Also, he's... Uh... Always, always seeing patterns where there aren't any. Ah, right, I see. <laughs> and as JR pointed out in his Starburst piece, uh, he's the first Scottish actor since Sylvester McCoy to take the role. Oh, shut up, Mark. <laughs> shut up. They corrected that. <laughs> Actually, they may have corrected that, but they didn't delete the comments, so I still ended up looking stupid anyway. I'm just glad I named the right doctor, otherwise I'd have looked a real idiot. <laughs> The ne- okay, then, I tell- no, before we move on, I'll be interested to see the viewing figures for this, because it was, the one that announced Matt Smith was, what, seven, seven and a half million, something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah, I'd be interested to see what the figures are. To do it on an actual live show, mm. I can imagine it might even have bumped up as far as ten, you never know. How sunny was it elsewhere? It wasn't very sunny here. No, it wasn't great. No. Not That's... down where we were. That's good, then. <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting, just, what did... Okay, so we all heard, obviously, because mm. I did the thing on Starburst, we all heard Peter Capaldi a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, given what they said on the programme about the fact that they actually did choose him, well, what sounded like quite some time ago, mm. and they've been keeping this under their hats, I'm assuming the name escaped, and a lot of the names we've been hearing in the last 48 hours have probably been put out there, maybe even by people at the BBC, as a kind of smokescreen to try and deflect attention away from the fact that everybody already knew who the doctor was before the program started. That's because possible. even if we Yeah, because even if we were fairly sure of who it was, you know, with all these other names getting bandied about. Oh, uh, I I started to have really big real doubts. thoughts today. Yeah. Mm, yeah, me too. Yeah. I was convinced for days and then yeah. right at the last I just thought, oh, well maybe it isn't. It's too good to be true. Mm. Were there any of the other names that are, either of you two guys would have been happy with? Not necessarily happier than Peter Capaldi, but names that you would have said, oh, that's okay, I'll, I'll live with that. I think I could live with most of them that were in the frame. I mean, I've got nothing against Daniel Rigby, and I could see the potential there. But the problem is, if, if Daniel Rigby had been the Doctor, it would have been fine as long as there wasn't the Peter Capaldi thing before it. Anybody, yeah. It had to be Peter Capaldi in my eyes from that point on, and anything else would have been a disappointment. Yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from. It's like, and you know, if it hadn't been Peter Capaldi, they would have been cursing themselves because they'd have been saying, you know, our announcement is going to be an anticlimax after his name's risen to the top of the fray. So, Mm. you know, um, can you imagine if it had been Daniel Rigby and he'd been cast like two months ago (laughs) and he'd come out to sort of bemusement and disappointment? It would have been awful, wouldn't it? I thought it might have been him today. I, I really did. There was all this news circulating around about cancelling a, a performance. Oh, but yeah, they, yeah. But they got that wrong, or he was in a different performance or something. Oh, it was very confusing. But I, yeah. I, I thought it might be him this for a bit this morning for about two hours. <laughs> yeah, the very last thing I heard was, no, actually, he is going to be on stage till 6.45. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, you're right. there was a lot of talk right. on Twitter about, oh, Zoe mm. Ball started following this actor recently and that kind of stuff, and it just kind of 
throws you for a loop for a bit. Oh, and Rankin um, mm. apparently photographed Peter Capaldi this afternoon. Obviously didn't say who he'd photographed, but then started following um, the Irish chap whose name escapes me now on Twitter. Chris O'Dowd? No, 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 no. The one that came in right at the very end. The name that came up right at the very oh, end. Oh, um, uh, Moriarty. No, 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 no. Not even him. There's literally a name came up at like four or five o'clock this afternoon. Did it? Who was that? I went no. offline. And I must have missed that. I was working. Yeah. Oh, it's all over my Twitter and Facebook because I was sort of saying, so is this chap. <laughs> oh, I know the guy. And actually, there was yeah. a bit of evidence as well because usually if I see, hear a name, I'll look at the evidence and see if I can see if I can see how likely it is. Mm-hmm. And apart from Capaldi, the only other two names that seemed remotely likely were this Irish chap whose name, oh God, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> and the other one was Sam Troughton. <laughs> I never believed that one. No, apparently Sam Troughton, well, from what I hear, Sam Troughton was put about as a smokescreen mm. because of the fact that Peter Capaldi's odds had shortened so much. You see, the thing is, to me, it had to be somebody who was well-known enough to have to have yeah. a live seven o'clock program. Mm, you couldn't yeah. have brought somebody out like Daniel Rigby, doesn't matter how good an actor he is, it'd have been too confusing for everybody at home. Mm. They yeah. got away with it with the with the eleventh dots one because it was wasn't live and it was was it BBC three? Uh no, it was BBC One actually. It was, it was promoted to BBC One, BBC one for the it was, afternoon. Was BBC yeah. One, yeah. yeah. But, it, but it wasn't live. It didn't have the same amount of hype about it no. as this, as this no. one. So that made me tend to believe that it was somebody who was going to be a household name. And the only other thing that I think is in the favour of, say, Sam Troughton, is that if they'd have angled the show towards lots of clips and quotes about Patrick Troughton, then they could have unveiled Sam Troughton and said, it's, you know, the Mm. grandson of... And I think they'd have just about got away with that. But yeah, had it been Daniel Rigby, or the Irish fella, as I'll call him, (laughs) (laughs) there'd have been a lot of people in the audience, even if they hadn't been expecting Peter Capaldi, who would have just looked a little bit confused. Yeah, a bit nonplussed. Mm. The Irish fella. That's show business. <laughs> Mind you, I don't think Peter Capaldi's in any way a household name. No, probably not. He's, he's recognisable though, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think if people didn't recognise his name when the, when the yeah. actor walked out, they'd have realised who it was. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of those... For me, he's always been to me... Every time I've seen him in something, he's the kind of actor I've thought, oh, I like him. I yeah. like him in this. And yeah, he's not been an actor I've sought anything out of. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I fancied him as the Doctor since 1996, when I think it was it was Neverwhere as the Angel of Islington. Yeah. Right, yeah. I remember thinking, and weirdly, Patterson Joseph at the same time. It was almost the pair of them were almost auditioning for the part back when the program seemed almost you know vague, vaguely possible they might run again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've always fancied him, and um, I think everything he's been in. He's been su- superb. I am so excited. When they announced the, the, the actual name, I actually roared like I was watching a football game. <laughs> it was like England had scored a penalty in a, in a World Cup semi-final and actually scored it. It was like that. That's how it felt. I jumped off my sofa and roared. <laughs> when you saw his hand in that shot just before yes. the reveal, yes. were you going, that's Capaldi's hand? I was going, old hands, old hands. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And thin as well, because he's kind of thin. He's one of these really sort of skinny blokes, isn't he? Mm. And I just thought, that is his hand. It is. I, got, I started to twig, uh, twig that it was him when I think Moffat said that he came round to his house to do an audition, because I know they're quite mm. friendly. Mm. And it just felt, oh, like a right, friendly, yeah. it felt like a friendly thing to do. 
And also, when Matt Smith had said that this actor had come up into this to, to him in the street four years ago, yes, and you're thinking that wouldn't be any of these young guys because you know, absolutely, he, he wouldn't remember that yeah. if, even if he knew who they were. You know what I'm saying? But that was so, the thing. It was the fact that we had that anticipation. Well, I did that. It was Peter Capaldi. Was the, mm. was was that what was the sense of that was that was that was the goal? And anything but Peter Capaldi would have been a disappointment. No, how, no, no matter how good the actual choice may have been i just had my mind fixated on peter yeah. Capaldi. i don't know why it's bizarre maybe You're a bit narrow-minded maybe but he just feels perfect well we did talk about this just before i wrote that starburst piece didn't we on the yeah. phone mm-hmm. and at the time i wasn't as convinced but i think writing that starburst piece and thinking about it and then of course when that goes live on the website and people start reading it and you kind of nailed your colors to the mast then as well haven't mm-hmm. you so mm-hmm. i think that was I think at that point I was probably in the same place as you were. I mean, he was fantastic in Children of Earth as well, which is he like, was. I'm actually yeah. going to watch that tonight, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's always the same, isn't it? When the actors cast, as long as they're in something that you've heard of, you, you know, when mm. Eccleston was cast, I think I watched the Second Coming again. Yeah. When Tennant was cast, probably Casanova. Obviously, mm. Matt Smith was a bit more difficult. But you know, I'm definitely... actually when Matt Smith was cast, I had the mm. two Billy Piper things. Did you? Yeah, I and I watched both of those. Don't I had Party it. Animals on DVD, so I dug that out. <laughs> yeah, I had Party Animals too, so I mm-hmm. dug that out a few I, days later. Yeah, I had nothing like that. But tonight, yeah, definitely, it's like, it's, it's over an episode of The Thick of It or, or Torchwood, which is quite a long commitment. But he's so good in mm. that. Yeah, he's so good in that. Well, if you don't have to get up tomorrow morning, also, will Sue be happy to sit through it for five hours? She says she's happy to watch at least one. <laughs> then she'll go to bed and leave you to it absolutely (laughs) or else you could always watch one a night for the next five nights that's That's supposed to be watched that is a good idea i don't think nicole's watched it i'd like my 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 stepdaughter to watch it oh well there's a good idea because she was so she she, she's 25 she was so excited about tonight she was very excited um it's, it's interesting to see like her complete indifference over the last 21 years now suddenly she can't wait to know who the new doctor is she she had a her hopes pinned on Johnny Depp, though. <laughs> <laughs> She's old enough to know better. <laughs> Mind you, Johnny Depp. Uh, well, you know what, though? If Johnny Depp... You know, they say this, the two, some actors are too big, but when you get to a certain level of fame and fortune as an actor, you can pretty much pick and choose what you do, and a lot of these actors will take parts on for, you know, industry minimum... Now, I'm not saying Johnny Depp would play the Doctor, but I'm just saying if they were to unveil somebody like that sometime just to play it maybe for one year, I don't think it would come as a great shock to me, necessarily. No, it's possible, but the, yeah. it's just the cost, isn't it? That's the, that's, yeah. the, that's the factor. That's why Idris Elba seemed to me to be, you know, although he, 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 like, he showed quite a late showing in the, in the odds, you know, he was coming up on the rails. Um, they couldn't afford him, surely, because these people have got Hollywood careers now, haven't they? Yeah. Plus, I mean, Idris Elba, of course, is more up and coming than, say, somebody who's already at the top of their game. Exactly. I mean, they can only get him for four episodes of Luther, so they'd have a job getting him for 13 mm. episodes of anything. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, the thing about Peter Capaldi is, as well-known a face as he is, and as respected a name as he is, he's not an actor who goes out and commands Hollywood fees and takes no. the lead in those kind of... This is you know as good as this is for doctor who it's also perfect for him mm. because it allows him to be the star of something and it's and, his, uh, dream, and it's his dream job isn't it really absolutely yeah, yeah. and at the age of at the age of 55 that's not an opportunity that's going to knock on many people's doors mm. is it 
for me, that's the best part about this. <laughs> the, the fact that he's 55. Yes. I thought it was a lovely touch when they brought up the uh, the newspaper, well, a clipping from the Radio Times where he'd written in when he was 15. Mm. I thought that was really cute. I think my sort of take on that is I don't care how old they are, how young they are, whatever, as long as they play the part right. And I don't think the people who make the programme care either, but it's the fans who seem to be making a thing of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm ha- I'm happier that he's older just because it will shut the fans up. <laughs> like me. <laughs> to be honest. Like me. <laughs> yeah, probably. I can't explain probably. it. I can't explain it, but I don't, it obviously harks back to childhood. It's a nostalgia. That's what it is. You want to look Do you up. know, then, that this fella will be... Not at the time of the regeneration, but at the time of his first full episode, the mm. oldest actor to play the Doctor. That's fantastic. Brilliant. I never thought the day would ever come again. No, because I believe he's about four months young, no, three months younger than William Hartnell. Yeah. And as long as, therefore, his debut episode, full mm-hmm. debut episode, is three months after 23rd of November, that puts him into the bracket of the oldest. I just hope he can remember his lines. he couldn't couldn't remember them in the thick of it it was just all ad-libs all that you know well that was one of the great things about that program none of that was written down what do you think what do you think he'll do as the character then i think he'd be unpredictable well you know matt smith was unpredictable do you think he'll I can see Peter Capaldi. I'm assuming that most people are glad to see Peter Capaldi because they're assuming he'll play it dark. Mm. Do you see that? Or? I think dangerous. Maybe, yeah. Dangerous rather than dark. But he could yeah. go against our expectations, couldn't he? And that's what we're expecting. Well, you know, I was looking at that dialogue that was in Doctor Who magazine that Moffat had said he'd written as the audition piece. Mm-hmm. Or presumably the stuff that he read on that video in Stephen Moffat's living room or wherever it was. And that is basically Matt Smith dialogue. And I was looking at that and thinking Peter Capaldi Mm -hmm. and thinking you could put him in Matt Smith's costume and you could get him to play it exactly the same as Matt Smith does and you'd still have a completely different performance. Mm. Just because the two actors are so different. Which is not what I'm saying I'm expecting them to do. I'm just saying whatever he does with it, even if it's, you know, like your Moffat, your Moffat dialogue and your Moffat doctor, mm-hmm. I still think we'll have, you know, a completely yeah. open door onto something new. Which actor brings something different to the role and they bring a part mm. of themselves. I think it's a unique role in as much as um, it's there's no blueprint. You, there's no sort of precedent. You just you have a blank sheet and you can do whatever you want with it. And that really excites me about this. I think it's going to be brilliant. And of course, in spite of what Tom Baker says, it is still a performance and it is still an acting part. Mm-hmm. But that performance and that that acting does depend upon the actor that you put into that part. It'll be very intense. <clears throat> is what it'll it, be. Mind you, have you seen Local Hero? Not recently. Well, he played the character he plays in that is a real sort of bumbling, sort of nobody of a part. Really, he plays the sort of uh, he's the one who um, has a thing for Jenny Seagrove, isn't he? I can't remember. Oh, really? But <laughs> no. like, oh, it's one of my favourite films. He's the he's Peter Rygart. When Peter Rygart comes over to Scotland, he gets um, he's the guy who meets him at the airport. He's like his second in command, the guy who shows him around. He's just a real chump 
who falls in love with Jenny Seagrove, who doesn't, you know, doesn't take any notice of him whatsoever. And he plays it so the opposite of Malcolm Tucker mm-hmm. that his doctor is mm-hmm. going to be somewhere between those two parts. Well, mm-hmm. the first thing I saw him in was uh, Prime Suspect, where he played a transvestite. <laughs> <laughs> which is about as different as you can get, yeah. Which season was that? I think it was three. Right. Wow. Might watch that instead. <laughs> I can imagine him and uh, David Tennant then dressing up uh, in drag for the BBC Christmas tapes. BBC Panto. Mm. The old Blue Peter Panto, got to bring that back. Mm. At least he'll be able to pronounce Metabilis correctly. Oh. Oh, yes. Do you know the story of that, though? I know they were supposed to overdub it and forgot or something, didn't they? No, they did overdub it, and yeah. then they had to go with the original dub because yeah. the DVD had already been That's sent right. off to be mastered, mm-hmm. and they didn't want to have the correct pronunciation on the telly and then have the outcry from fandom when they bought the DVD and had the wrong one on it. Don't. Yeah, because they didn't get an outcry this way, did they? <laughs> no, but at least this way it was well, at least this way it was well, consistent. You know yeah. <laughs> consistent yeah. outcry. Yeah. I think the fans are very happy about this news. I haven't heard from any of the people I know who are unhappy about it. I think they're so happy about it they're not even complaining about the fact there wasn't a trailer tonight. <laughs> I've <laughs> oh, seen yeah, one or two course. grumbles. Have you yeah. already? Yeah. Oh, really? But you can't have a new Doctor and then show a trailer of two old ones. No. It no. sort of defeats the whole point, surely. Mm-hmm. I guess they could have showed that trailer at the Beginning. very start of the programme if they'd have wanted to show it. Yeah. But you're right, a lot of people predicted they would, didn't they? Mm-hmm. I'd forgotten all about that. I'm not really a trailer guy. I'm the kind of person who's usually happy to wait till the programme shows up. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? I'm a Doctor Who fan who doesn't mind not being spoiled over things. <laughs> <laughs> it's just mad. They'll make a big deal out of that. It'll be a Sunday night programme. Doctor Who trailer live. Yeah. <laughs> well, they did, they did put it in the uh, Radio Times one year. Do you remember? The trailer for Voyage of the Damned was in the Radio Times. I think it was something like 10 days before Christmas, and it said uh, 7.58pm... Doctor Who trailer for the Christmas special oh, debut God. tonight, eight o'clock. <laughs> I think I saw that at the cinema. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They did put it on the cinemas. Yeah. Mm. There seems to be a habit these days of doing trailers for trailers now, which is bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And announcements for announcements for announcements. Mm. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, it's all bad. <laughs> well, I suppose they had to do that because if they were going to change the scheduling, mm. and people would have need to program their things, they had to put it out. So. The fact that they felt the need to announce that they were going to put it out is probably the bizarre thing, rather than the fact that they announced it. Mm. Yeah. No, it's, actually, of it's course, been a weird week, happened, hasn't it? it? Yeah, it has. They um, didn't put out that they were going to make an announcement. Somebody leaked it, didn't they? Yeah. It was the Metro paper, wasn't it? The Metro. Uh, that was one. I think it was somebody on Twitter. Yeah, it somebody was... tweeted about Zoe oh, Ball hosting it the show, didn't was... they? Yeah, it was one of the writers for Doctor Who magazine. Mm. <laughs> I think he I think he assumed that the announcement had already been made mm-hmm. and just tweeted something like, so what do we think of the fact that they're going to announce the new Doctor <laughs> yeah. live at 7 o'clock on Sunday night then? And then you know, deleted it. <laughs> yeah, like three seconds later, somebody tweets him back and said, you know, they haven't actually announced they're doing that yet. <laughs> Brilliant. But yeah, that's when somebody dug out the piece on the Metro. Right. Some interesting things, yeah, you're right, have been going on this past week. It's been absolutely crazy. I'm just relieved. Yeah. Of course, the other thing, apart from trying to speculate how he's going to 
perform is the whole different dynamic of having a new doctor with the existing companion. I'm really glad that the companion's holding over for the new doctor because when it's a new doctor and a new companion at the same time, you don't get to see in the same way how they react to one another. Mm -hmm. But this will be good to see how Clara reacts to a new doctor. Because when was the last time we had that? We had that with Rose. Um, mm -hmm. Prior to that, I suppose it was Bonnie Langford, wasn't it? And in fact, we didn't yeah. even get it with her. No, so no, it no, was... No. Um... Oh, God, it was Perry. Perry. Yeah. In yeah, uh, Twin Andrew's Dilemma. Name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's not really the best example, is it? <laughs> <laughs> You've lost me completely. <laughs> so apart from Rose, it's been a long, long time. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm not and sure if a bit of the wonder might have been lost, though, because of Name of the Doctor. She's seen all these other Doctors knocking around, so it's, it's not true. like she's going to be amazed mm. by this transformation as such, is she? No, she's not. But it'll be interesting to see how she takes to... Because, of course, it was all her other her other aspects or whatever you want to call them that yeah. actually went out and did the job mm -hmm. in the name of the doctor. It'll be interesting to well, see how she as a character. Go on. Sorry. Oh, Neil, she's going to she's going to meet David Tennant as well, isn't she? David Tennant as well. Yeah. Before. Yeah. So that will explain and, it. So. And John Hurt as well. No, it'd be interesting to see how she takes to not having Matt Smith there anymore mm. and having this other fella full time instead. Mm -hmm. Who was doing the voiceover at the beginning of the show? Anybody recognise him? You know, at first, I, just for a fraction of a second, I thought, is that John Hurt? That's what I thought, but then it wasn't, yeah. was it? Yeah. No, so I don't know who it was. Mm. Probably Ben Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably on his CV, Doctor Who, live, the next Doctor, and that's why his name came into the fray. Fair play to him. I saw a tweet from him on Twitter saying, uh, just come to in dressing room number four after being hit on the head and hearing a Scottish cackle. <laughs> And um, Russell Tovey tweeted as well just before the programme went on and said, you know, I'm getting a lot of people tweeting me, but I, I'm telling you for a fact, it's not me, and good luck to the fellow it is. Well, I didn't know that. Mm. So, well, it's just been a mad day, hasn't it? It's been a mad week and a mad day. Exciting times, though. Yes, very much. Yeah. I know a lot of, of people who don't watch Doctor Who have told me that they'll start watching it now. Oh, because of Peter Capaldi? Mm, which is, I find interesting. And I guess we'll probably lose a lot who will probably say, oh, I don't want to watch some 55-year-old in the role. So Yeah, but we were never like that when we were young, were we? No, exactly. It's different times, really, isn't it? Yeah. Kids today. <laughs> well, I know a lot of people who stopped watching when Tennant left, and yeah. I know a lot of people who started watching when Matt Smith came on board. So yeah, it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Yeah, it's just kind of par for the course these days, I guess. Uh -huh. It's all part of being a Doctor Who fan. Mm. You have to go through this every so often. Yep. Yeah. They've just got to make sure... Well, I say they've got to make sure... You know, this last time they had to make sure that they made it a programme that people would still want to watch. I think, given that it's Peter Capaldi, I think probably more older people... Like you say, Neil, probably more older mm. people will come in and give it a try who may not have bothered with the youngsters running around in the TARDIS. <laughs> Yeah. So, it, yeah, it could give a boost to the show's popularity, if anything, perhaps. Yeah. It's a good time to do it as well, the 50th. I always had a sneaking suspicion that it might be this year. Mm. I always thought if Matt stayed on after the 50th, anything he did after, mm. you know, 2013 was going to seem like an anticlimax. Absolutely. So as much as I like him, he had to go, really. <laughs> he did. It was just the right time. 
Okay. Mark, what do you think? Will you miss Matt Smith? Um, I think he's it, timed it. He's timed it right. I think go out when you're still on top. I think Tennant. I I really like Tennant, but I think the whole thing with the um, specials it just kind of dragged out a bit much. And by the end of end of time, I just wanted him to go. I just had him. Yeah. So, it was glad uh, to see the back of him with David Tennant, unfortunately. Yeah, which is sad because it's a shame that it came to that. But um, no, I think he's done the right thing. He's he's left on a high. Well, that remains to be seen, but I think he will do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just can't wait to see the new guy in, in uh, whatever they decide to sti stick him in. I don't know, costume-wise, what they're going to do. Hopefully well, not that's... Colin Baker. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll dress him like an undertaker. Nice. I don't know. I can't, I can't honestly think what they might do with him because it's just too obvious to put him like all in black or, you know, in a suit like he was wearing tonight. He came out in that suit and I thought, yeah, that's probably more or less what people are going to expect him to dress like mm. as the Doctor. And so therefore, because he's come out dressed like that tonight... He's not. He'll go in the opposite direction. A bit like Matt Smith, when he did that program, The Confidential, he was all mm. in black yeah. and looking a bit emo, wasn't he? And mm. people instantly said, oh, emo doctor. And nothing could have been further from the truth. So, I don't know, but... I've no idea what he's going to wear. You know, if they go sort of back on a sort of Peter Davison trip, I wonder if he'll spend the entire time in a lab coat. <laughs> God. I can see Peter Capaldi in a lab coat, though. Or an Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> uh, Under a lab coat. Yeah. <laughs> that would be... And lots of pens. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, of course, we've been a bit silly, but uh, you know what? They yeah. wouldn't do that. But <laughs> I could see it happening. I can imagine him doing a photo shoot like that just for a laugh. I saw a photo, a photo of him outside of TARDIS this week. I don't know what it, when it was taken, but he was outside of TARDIS dressed in like a woolly jumper. Yeah. Yeah. And he looked like he was about to stab someone in the back of the head with a sonic screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Nice. Yeah. How weird. But that was quite a nice look. It was like, it was like a cardigan. <laughs> I saw weird. a photo of him the other day. I don't know what it was from, but he had this really weird little goaty beard thing going mm. on, which is a bit unusual. I think it's from that, that Musketeers thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, 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 it will be, yeah. Sense. Could you see him in a card? Could you see him playing it as a sort of similar fashion to maybe Peter Cushing? Yeah, with a pipe as well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, just playing it as a sort of a slightly dotty uncle type, maybe, or grandfather type. Maybe, I don't know. It's exciting, it's a, isn't it? That's, that's yeah. the great thing about the programme, isn't it? You just don't know what you're going to get. You, know, you never, mm. get, never really get stuck in a rut. Well, no. David Tennant did. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. Will you miss Matt Smith, Neil? Um, I think he's going at the right time. I think another year of it might have started to great, great a little bit. I, I, yeah, I, I, I just think sometimes he's a little bit over the top with the uh, the hand gestures. I think yeah, he started out okay, and I think he's he seized onto the fact that people seem to like the way he waves the sonic around, and it just became a parody of itself towards the end. But he's a great think, actor; he's <clears> fantastic. I think he just holds it just the right side of annoying for me. Mm. Because, you know, there are occasions when I'm looking at the screen thinking, just stop waving your arms about. And then he does, and then he'll do something magical, and I'll think, no, okay, that's fine. You just keep doing what you're doing, Matt. No, he's great. But he'll be, he'll be remembered as one of the greats um, mm. going out this way, I think. And hopefully, uh, you know, he'll be followed by another one of the greats. Oh, oh I have no doubt. And I, I, 
given the John Hurt thing, yeah. have you thought ahead to this? If John Hurt is an actual doctor, yeah. even if he's not one that's in the numbering, <laughs> that still would make uh, Peter Capaldi the 13th body. Yeah. Do you think maybe Steve... It strikes me as a possibility that Stephen Moffat wants to address the 13th Doctor thing and so has thrown John Hurt in so he can get to the 13th one more quickly. I think it's entirely possible. Yeah, he's that kind of a writer, isn't he? I had a weird theory today <laughs> that it was going to Go be Paul on. McGann. <laughs> and what was going to happen is they were going to work out that they couldn't let the Ninth Doctor happen. So they had to like wipe it out of the timeline and he just woke up as Paul McGann as if he'd never regenerated into John Hurt. So I, oh, you know what? That's a really interesting idea. But um, then I woke up. No, <laughs> that's great. I'm going to write bonkers. that up for the fanzine. <laughs> and I just thought it'd be, it was sort of, you know, that last 10 years would be like in a little neat bow. And, um, you know, it was sending fans insane. <laughs> well, my theory that you won't have heard, but that I've told Mark and the others, is that <clears throat> all this stuff, remembering and forgetting things... Mm. My theory's always been, and the silence, particularly the silence, mm -hmm. my theory's always been that Stephen Moffat will wipe Matt Smith's Doctor out of the timelines altogether mm. in some kind of a time loop so that as far as the Doctor's memory goes, he goes straight from Tennant to whoever follows Matt Smith. So even though Peter Capaldi will still be the 13th body of the Doctor, if he'll any... think he's the 11th. The 12th. Oh, yeah, the 12th if he remembers yeah. John Hurt. But if he forgets John Hurt, then the 11th. So you still get to address the regeneration stuff. What's but you bit, have to... Yeah, but what does this mean for our DVD covers? <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> yes. I think that's the other thing. I think whatever John Hurt is, I think by the end of the 50th anniversary special, he still won't be officially counted. So you still continue with Eccleston as yeah. the 9th Doctor and so on. Yeah, but... Eccleston would be 9B. Yeah. Whatever it is, whatever it is. Relegated but, to a sub-note. You know. But then again, I suppose if you're telling a story, you shouldn't let the way people write up DVD covers influence how you tell your story. The story should come first. Are you sure about that? Well, it should be. That's how <laughs> things should be, isn't it? OCD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he's a Doctor Who fan, so obviously. You've also got very... to be careful what stories uh, you put into your DVD sets as well, haven't you? Mm. So they finally decided they're going to put the um, the Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe into the oh, yeah. UK version of the uh, the Blu-ray set. Yeah, was that because of, I'm that bothered about? Was that because of Twitter pressure? Apparently Horribly. so. <clears throat> Bunch of bullies. Yeah, I you know I was expecting it to be in there, but when it wasn't in there, I wasn't remotely disappointed. <clears throat> exactly. I can you understand if it's can. like the best episode ever, but. I mean, let's yeah. be honest. It's not. I thought it's probably four. Pa it's probably four pound on Blu-ray standalone, anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, it will be by now. <laughs> and let's face it, it wasn't part of Series Seven, so it never happened. Assum it mm. never happened at all, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> but it's always been my assumption that whoever put that DVD together just never even considered it because it wasn't part of Series Seven, and then probably <clears> afterwards, you know, found out through Twitter or wherever. <clears throat> oh, have I missed something out? <clears throat> Blame the silence. Mind you, speaking of old episodes, Fires of Pompeii is now responsible for a companion and a doctor, and both Scottish. Mm. So, is there anybody else Scottish in the cast of that? <laughs> Do you know, I really <laughs> wouldn't read too much into it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but patterns where they aren't there and all that. 
Yeah, a lot of people have said that he can't be in. He can't be the doctor because he's been in Torchwood and um, uh, the fires of Pompeii, which is just mm. obviously insane. Yeah, <laughs> and besides, he's a multiple of six again, and if Colin Baker can do it, so can Peter Capaldi. You're doing it again. I know, I can't help it. <laughs> hey, we're talking about a new Doctor. Of course, we're looking for patterns where there aren't any. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for the new action figure. Yeah, ah. but is it going to be three and three quarter inches or five? Oh, it better be five. Sue says I... it's not important, but I, I'm not sure. Mm. <laughs> I suspect uh, that there'll be a Forbidden Planet exclusive with a five inch Peter Capaldi. I, think I certainly should, hope so. There should be an exclusive where they have the set of uh, Doctor Who Live with, uh, with a Zoe Ball. Zoe Ball, yeah. And <laughs> a Rufus Hound. <laughs> <clears throat> Mustn't forget Rufus, Ru Rufus Hound or Peter Hound. <laughs> we'll just airbrush him out. Yeah, maybe. Actually, he said something nice at the end, although um, I didn't quite catch all of it because somebody was on the phone next to me at the time. <laughs> I felt for him, to be fair. Yeah, uh, my in my house there was so much excitement about this. One was on the phone to her mother, and the other was in the shower. <laughs> but that's the kind of fans I live with. We were all on the edge of our seats over here in the Perimenes. <laughs> yeah. So on the whole, I think we can probably say that all three of us are extremely happy. Absolutely. I'm, I'm ecstatic. Yeah. And I got to say, I think I am too. And a bit drunk. <laughs> 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 so Neil I think it's about time we ought to tell our listeners who you actually are <laughs> yes, who you I are Neil Perryman I and a lot of our listeners will have heard of you some of them might not have you are the uh, wife in space guy yeah some people have now switched off because they're expecting that Neil guy who wrote the pit for virgin novels so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're very maybe. disappointed maybe <laughs> So tell us how, go back to the very start yeah. and tell us how Wife in Space came about. Because, you know, the marathon, yeah. that's a fairly standard idea. But going back to the very start and the blog, and how did you come up with the idea to sort of get Sue involved? Well, I was going to do a marathon thing. And as you say, it's just such a standard idea. And my friend John Williams said, you're insane. Who cares what you think about Doctor Who? There's a million and one, one of these things out there. And I yeah. thought, well, he's got a point there. And, um, and I was thinking, I, was re I think I was reading the Time Team. And I was thinking, the Time Team thing is that they've actually seen all the episodes, but pretend that they haven't. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, wouldn't it be interesting if you could actually do that thing, but actually have people who genuinely hadn't seen them and had an opinion yeah. about them? And I just thought, wouldn't it be interesting to get Sue to do it, who's my wife, and who has no real interest in classic Doctor Who at all, but does like the new series. And, and she's got years, some great opinions. Well, I'm, yes, I mean, it's been a surprise to me as well, um, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, we're used to watching TV quite quietly, and now all of a sudden it, uh, now she can't stop talking over everything. That's the downside. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I thought, let's get my wife to do it. And I thought, if I do it on a blog, then she'll sort of feel pressured to carrying on, you know. When we get when, ah, when we get to the censor rights, exactly. When we get to the censor rights, where she wants to give up, you know, I can say well, you can't give up because there's 20 people who want to read your opinion about it. And um, well, because <clears throat> the blog already existed. I mean, Wife in Space did that come out of Tacky on TV? Yeah, it started on. It was on <clears throat> Tacky on TV for the first year. Actually, <clears throat> it was just a little feature because it was either that or right. Uh, DVD reviews of obscure British archive television, which I, I started to get a bit bored of doing that. 
like writing a thousand words about Shelley, <laughs> which, got, yeah. which is a great sitcom, but you know, that's why I was just, I was searching for a new angle really. And I thought getting the wife who had no interest in Doctor Who to sort of look at it fresh. Um, and um, I jotted down what she would say and what she would think and then put it on the blog and it just seemed to take off from there. And the next thing I you thought know, for a minute all... you said, when you said I, I would jot down what she would say, I thought you were prompting her for a second. No, no, after she said them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. In my notebook, which will be on eBay and go for about 20 pence eventually. Did... I'm sure I'll go for a lot more than that. <laughs> you've had, well, we'll come to Blake in a minute, yeah. but you've had quite a lot of interest for that. But did she take a lot of persuading? No, my wife's slightly insane like that. She'll do stuff on the spur of the moment, or she did, She likes a challenge. You know, she built a house, and we lived in a caravan for three years, and that's the sort of thing my wife would do. So she thought... Really? Wow. Yeah, so she thought, you know, she made me live in a caravan for three years to build a house, so she thought the least she could do was watch some TV. She owed you something. Yeah, and let's be honest... So you made her sit through the Space Pirates? Yeah, living in a caravan for three years or watching a TV programme for a year, which of those two is the bigger hardship to put your partner through? How hard could it be, she said. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then you got to the sensor rights. Yeah, but the weird thing was, I had more of a problem with it than she did, because I knew what was coming. And Sue would look yeah. at every episode. So when the sensor rights began, as far as she was aware, it was the best episode of Doctor Who that had ever been made she was about to watch. Whereas mm. I knew that it's not. <laughs> so I'd, <laughs> I'd get depressed about that, you know. And the Space Pirates was a particularly difficult one, actually, because of all the recons. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the recons, we watched all the recons. Um, oh, you didn't do it like listening to it on audio, like as if it was the radio. Then. No, no, no. We watched them with 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 telesnaps, and if there wasn't telesnaps, there were these weird concoctions that people. We were still yeah. still a visual thing, but again, mm. that was her idea. I was just going to show her a little bit of that Marco Polo one. They've got that thirty minute thing, and then just say, that's oh, yeah. what that's what a recon looks like." You know, let's just not bother with them. But she again, she was determined to do it all. <laughs> she said we had to do it properly and well, laborious and laborious. Yeah, so, and yeah, and then we got to the end, amazingly. What was, but on a sort of side note, what was the experience for you, like, going through the whole of Doctor Who in order? Well, it's something I'd always tried to do in the past and never managed to succeed, usually because I got to the sensor rides. Um, so yeah. what I'd usually do is I'd skip ahead to um, call, uh, no, John Pertwee. I'd go, I'll, I'll start again <laughs> in colour. <laughs> and then I'll get to <laughs> Colony in Space and give up again. So I've, and there were some episodes, not of the colour years, but of the black and white years. I'd never, I've never seen. I'd never sat through a recon. So while I was aware of a lot of these stories, you know, like this, you know, the Celestial Toy Maker, for example, is a good example. Yeah, I'd seen the existing episode, but I'd never sat through the other three. Um, so in some respects, it was a, it was good for me because I'd actually managed to go through the whole experience from scratch as well. In in some respects, I guess in a way you learned about. <clears throat> appreciating some of the undervalued stories just because of where they do come in the series and if you watch them in order your mm-hmm. expectations of them are probably suitably lowered yeah you know you, the, con- the context <clears throat> is everything sometimes mm. you can go against it especially like in patrick tram for me anyway um it sort of becomes quite formulaic when you watch them in quick yeah. succession if you just watch a patrick tram you know once every six months you don't notice it as much as you do when you watch them mm. in order yeah, so season five is. Mm. I, I've always said that season five. I love the stories, but I think as a season, it's hugely overrated because it is the same story six story. times in a row, more exactly. or less, over and over again. <laughs> mm. Did you find 
while you were doing it, did you find you were getting new favourites and there were some stories that you had less respect for then? Yeah. The... And what about Sue? Was she finding that there were stories that people... That, that she wasn't supposed to like, that she was, and vice versa. Yeah, I think there's quite a few examples of that. And the ones that strike me, the one I remember the most, the Time Monster, which, mm. which she gave a reasonable score. I think she, only, I think she gave it eight out, of, 8 out of 10, which is a good score. And uh, I'd always regarded the Time Monster as like one of the all-time worst, you know, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the bottom five. Um, but watching it with Sue really turned my opinion around, and I just saw it more as a uh, as something that was fun. Yeah, I, I mean, had. I have to say, I had exactly the same experience mm -hmm. with that story. I showed it to my partner, expecting her to hate it, and I think it was one of the ones that she enjoyed most out of all the ones she's seen. Yeah, I think just so, because it was yeah. so so much fun. Yeah, and it's, I think it's one of those ones you need to watch with somebody else to get mm. that. Um, and it sort of becomes infectious. So in, in, in that case, it, there was that. But um, in the, the other end of the spectrum, you've got uh, giving five out of ten to the you know the robots of death. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> you know. And she oh dear. And she didn't like. She's snake. lost all respect. <laughs> exactly. And she didn't like snake dance very much either. And that was a hard you know a bit of pill to swallow. Yeah, I remember that. But that's a classic example, Ooh. I think, of a fan. A fan, a fan looking at uh, you know a program like Snake Dance and someone who isn't a, isn't a fan, you know, but you know there wasn't that many she hated really. I was very surprised. There was a few, a few got zero. I think Time and the Rani got minus one. Oh really? <laughs> but again, it's not really wow. a shock, is it? You know, it's uh, it's, it's no. surprising how close it was to the consensus. It's almost as if we're not that far off mm. <laughs> normal, rational human beings, if I can call. I think that. actually. You may have found this. Did you find this, that once you get into the habit of watching it, even with somebody who doesn't think they like it, once they get into the habit of watching it and they yeah. know the things to look out for to enjoy, yeah. you can actually find yourself growing into it. Oh, oh Sue definitely grew into it, definitely. Mm. She started to recognise certain things that she would never have recognised before and she started to see parallels, especially with the new series. Which she watched, you know, she watched that avidly. Oh yeah. So when she saw the connections with the great intelligence, particularly, you know, she really appreciated that connection because beforehand it would have just meant nothing to her. So she got she 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 got into the habit of it, and she and we both miss it actually, sitting down and and watching yeah. and watching it together. It was sort of a which relief is... to get it over with, but at the same time, there's sort of like a bit of a gap now. Well, that's precisely why you've moved on to what you have moved on to. Well, that's the plan. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Well, but why not talk about that now? We can talk about the book afterwards. Yeah, we're going to so, do. Well, well, we've just we've just confirmed today that we're going to be doing Blake Seven in in January. We're going to take some time mm. off, and I've got some other commitments and other stuff to do. But it's it's going to be Blake Seven all the way through. And again, Sue's never seen an episode of that. So, and it should be that same kind of flavour that she got from like that seventies Doctor Who thing. So yeah, and, you know, <clears throat> I personally Nation. can't wait for her take on Gambit. <laughs> I can't. I just can't wait for a take on all of them. I think some of them, some of them are so bizarre. I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of them myself for a few years, but I remember yeah. some of them are terrible. Yeah, I had only seen them as a child when the DVDs came out, and I mm. bought all the DVDs because being a Doctor Who fan, that's the kind of thing you do, isn't it? Yeah. And then I got the DVDs home and put them in, and you know, each time one of them came out, I put it in, watched through all thirteen episodes, and thought mm. to myself. I just bought that at full price. <laughs> <laughs> I have fond memories of Blake Seven from from child from being a child. I I, I, I mm. must have been allowed to stay up special to watch it. 
I definitely remember the last episode vividly. And that's not just yeah. Yeah. folk memory. It's I definitely remember that. I think Do you the know last my series... biggest memory <clears throat> Go on, sorry, go on. Yeah, sorry, go on. No, I was just saying the last series really sticks with me the most, I think. Bizarre. Because it was there was something about the last series that was just so downbeat. Like yeah. it was uh like one of these nineteen seventies thrillers where everything goes wrong for the hero and yeah. it just all seems to be piling on top of him. And mm-hmm. you're thinking there's gotta be some relief at the end of this, and then they all get shot dead. It's an unbelievably bleak program. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the worst My biggest memory the... of it Oh go on, no, carry the, on, carry the, on. The first episode the first episode when they set Blake up for um, being a child molester. That's not yeah. the most sho- mm. that's not the most shocking part. The most shocking part is they make the children believe they've been molested. <laughs> that's how <laughs> grim it is. It is. So I'm sure I'm that's... sure Sue will get a lot of laughs out of that. That is quite a call to arms for the opening episode of your new series, isn't it? Exactly. But then all of a sudden the grittiness eventually dissipates sometimes until you get yeah. almost pantomime. And some of the uh, monster costumes when they have monsters in. Oh, yeah. sweet Lord. And Colin Baker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, what's he called? Bayban, his Babe character the in that, isn't it? Babe yeah. the Butcher. I'm looking forward to that one. No, my big memory of my big I've got a bit of a cold, so my B's and M's aren't coming right. My big memory of Blake Seven when I was a kid was one night one of the episodes came on and there's a load of dead people lying on the ground. And my dad, who normally is pretty much comatose when I'm watching telly, suddenly leans forward, points at the screen and says, That guy blinked. <laughs> it's funny what you remember, uh, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And of course, and of course, that guy blinked deliberately, but we were sitting there looking at each other thinking they'd made a mistake for a minute. But nice. yeah, that's my big memory of Blake 7. Bizarre, isn't it? Oh, so, hmm. so we're going to be watching that, and we're also going to be watching some of the extras. So Sue's going to be watching some Space 1999, The oh. Avengers, all sorts of weird stuff. Wurzel Gummidge. <laughs> Have you got Moonbase 3? Not yet. There's still enough time oh, you... to to pledge on that level. <laughs> have you got? Uh, have you seen Moonbase Three yourself? I have indeed. I'm very familiar with Moonbase Three. The Brazilian oh. Moonbase is the best one. Moonbase Five. Is that the one right at the end? They're all drinking pina coladas and doing the samba. <laughs> oh really? Wow. <laughs> I, all I remember. I mean, I've got that series on DVD, but the my the, the last episode's good. The other five are a little bit slow, as I recall. Yeah. Moonbase three yeah. would be a good one, actually. I might just throw yeah. that in as an as an extra for three. <laughs> well, it's only six episodes. It's self-contained and it's short. Oh no, I'm not and doing a... six. I'm not doing six. I'll do one. Oh, I'll just just throw in the last episode. Then that'll be the one. I'll do I'll do the one about the uh, metallurgist. That's a good one. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. So, Neil, your book. How yes. did that come about? Did somebody approach <clears throat> you, or did you take that idea to somebody else? No, it was an editor who'd worked um, who's been publishing for a long time, and he approached me. He'd been reading the blog. He, he said he'd been avoiding it for a while because um, he saw it as linked on a, on a forum called Rhubarbs, and when he saw Adventure of the Wife in Space, yeah. he thought it was a thread about Rory and Amy. <laughs> <laughs> so he avoided Oops. it like the plague, and then eventually cottoned onto it. And then he, I think it was just coming to the end of Patrick Troughton. I seem to think I think we were um, in the War Games. When, when he rang me yeah, and um, he said it, he thought there was a book in it 
And uh, my only thought ever about a book in this was just collating the blog into a, you know, yeah. a paperback. But the a bit idea, like, <clears throat> yeah, that would have made it more like running through corridors, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I didn't really see the point in that, really, in 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 some respects. And there wasn't a, a, a big publisher wasn't going to be interested in that. That would have been like a self-published yeah. thing. I would have done. I would have done it on mm. Kickstarter and I would have self-published it. And he thought, no, the what what he found appealing was the the story behind the the so-called experiment. Yeah. Uh, you know, the story of growing up as a Doctor Who fan and then deciding to share that with the people that you love. And that was that sort, sort of the, the key. <clears throat> The Nick Hornby angle, in a way, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose you Which can't is, get it, yeah. I wouldn't yeah, ever put myself on the same pedestal as Nick Hornby, but the idea is, it's, the idea is, is similar in the sense that it is, it's a story of, of being a fan. It's kind of where nerd meets, you know, family relationships, in a way. Yeah, yeah because I'd, I'd kept Sue away from Doctor Who for about 20 years, really. You know, well, the first 15 years of, the, of our relationship. So... You know, it's, it's, it was weird then lettering her into that world, taking her to conventions a, and stuff like that. I have a friend who has a similar relationship with his wife and his porn collection. Really? <laughs> yeah, he keeps the two of them apart. <laughs> That's not so I accidentally let it slip one night to one of them that the other one existed and the porn collection was very unhappy to find out he was married. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, yeah. So, so yeah. So the he came to you, and but then what's the next step? Because unlike the majority of Doctor Who publishing, this is yeah. not small, no. a small independent publisher. This is Faber and Faber. Yeah. So we we um, <clears throat> we put a proposal together, which was basically what the angle of the book would be, and mm. the ang- and the angle was that it you know it wasn't going to be aimed at at the geeks. You know. Yeah. Hopefully. They'll get they'll get something out of the book as well, but it was to aim at a mainstream audience, and to try and sort of capture the flavour of the blog, but not just be a reproduction of the blog. To be like something that that complements the blog, hopefully. Yeah. And um, you know has you know more mainstream appeal, hopefully as well. That's the plan. Actually, you've timed it perfectly, haven't you? Because in the fiftieth anniversary, that's the time when a publisher is going to say yes to a book like that. Absolutely, and I think that was definitely, you know, part of the uh, the thinking behind it. I think that if it hadn't yeah. been this year, and you know, the race was on to get it published in time, and it's out in November, mm. and it was very close. <laughs> Believe me, hitting that deadline yeah. was a nightmare. So um, it's been a quick turnaround. Um, usually, in that in that field of publishing, it takes a lot longer. Um, so yeah, the 50th anniversary has definitely been part of it. But as <clears throat> apart from that as well, you must be so proud that you are going to be a part of the 50th anniversary that people are going to remember. Fans are going to remember you <laughs> as part so. of their 50th anniversary experience. It depends on how they remember me, that's the thing. <laughs> well, yeah, that book, though, that book. Yeah, well, it's putting yourself out there, that's the thing. It's like It's like telling people about my, you know my childhood and my friendships and my embarrassments mm. and it's putting it's not like i've written a book that's a fictional piece of work where you can just you know sort of distance yourself from it so and i'm a bit i'm more worried about sue and nicole you know exposing their real day-to-day life in a form that mm-hmm. people oh, can, yeah. can go out and read and it's always you know been a worry but hopefully it's going to be fine i mean they seem happy with the book <laughs> i'm assuming they both read it before you they did they checked yeah and the lawyers checked so everything's fine 
Well, Mark, I know you're particularly looking forward to this, aren't you? I am. I'm a huge fan of the blog. I've read every post oh, and chuckled along. And, uh, yeah, the pair of you are just fantastic. Oh, you, I don't know what to say. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> so I there you go, like, Neil. Like that's going to be... <laughs> that's going to be one happy customer. Mm. <laughs> Sue shares my um, opinion of John Pertwee. Yes. My one of my uh, prized possessions is my wife in space, uh, pompous twat mug. Although bizarrely, if you take the scores and uh, boil them down, John Pertwee is her favourite Doctor. <laughs> that is really wow. Quite a yeah, it's a like stand. she didn't, it's like she didn't like the da- the Doctor, but she liked the stories she, that he was in. Yeah, she liked the unit yeah. family. I can see than. that as well. Yeah, mm. that makes perfect sense to me because mm-hmm. I. I think I feel pretty much the same way about mm-hmm. the Pertwee years. Yeah. I, warmed, so a I, lot, I, that, I yeah. warmed a lot more to Pertwee because I was one of those 90s fanboys who took the Sylvester McCoy side in the, in the, in the, in the flame war. Um, so when, mm. I, when I watched all the Pertwees again, I, I came to appreciate, especially season seven. Season seven's fantastic. Mm. Yeah. yeah. No, I'd agree. Actually, I'm a bigger fan of season eight, but then I am that weird fan, you know? You're a contrary mm-hmm. chap. Mm-hmm. I am. I am. I can't deny you like, it. You like the you you like the pattern of the fact that the master appears in every episode. <laughs> no, it's not that so much. I like the I like the colourful Robert Holmesianness of it. Yeah. You know, the Robert Holmes tends to write some of the more. Um, how can I describe it? Carnival atmosphere episodes. Mm-hmm. And I do like my Doctor Who like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't like it like that all the time, mm-hmm. but I do like it like that sometimes. <clears throat> yeah. So Russell T. Davis and Stephen Moffat have occasionally hit the right notes with me, even when the rest of fandom has been <laughs> boiling with rage. <laughs> I think Capaldi could be very Pertwee-esque, actually. He could be, yeah. He mm, could indeed. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. After The Wife in Space, then... Who would you say was your favourite Doctor, Neil? Who, Mount Mate, me? Mm. Oh, God. I've, I, I, I vary between the fourth Doctor and the seventh. They both mean oh, really? different things to me. The fourth from my childhood and the seventh from my, teen, you know, my sort of adulthood, early adulthood. I oh, fair enough, yeah. yeah. So I can't really choose between the two, really. I know it's not fashionable to like Sylvester McCoy, but... <laughs> no, we're actually... Uh, well, Mark and I, I think, certainly me, mm-hmm. are very pro Sylvester McCoy, McCoy on this mm-hmm. podcast. For me, yeah. if it wasn't, the other... yeah. if it wasn't for Sylvester McCoy, I don't think I'd be sat here now because I drifted out of Doctor Who. Mm. Yeah, I miss Colin Baker completely. So if it oh, was, so if it wasn't for, and I just walked into it by accident. It was Remembrance of the Daleks Part One. I'll never forget it. And I just, yeah. I remember thinking this is going to be shit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and, um, it no, was, it's all right. <laughs> and it was fabulous. And that, so if it wasn't for Sylvester McCoy and the books, which I, I loved, I remember reading all the new mm. adventures and I loved all that. I like that idea mm. of a dark manipulative doctor because you're, when you're 21 and sort of angst ridden, that's the kind of thing that you want. So yeah, I love Sylvester McCoy. Well, you never know. Peter McCaldy might give us Peter McCaldy. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Capaldi. This cold is really kicking in now. <laughs> might bring us a little taste of that once again. I hope so. Yeah. Well, uh, Neil, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Uh, and it's been, well, quite a night. Yeah, it, is, isn't it? it hasn't quite sunk in yet. 
No, I think we've recorded this podcast so quickly. We're all going to go away from this podcast now, yeah. and suddenly we're going to realise what we wanted to have said, and it'll be too late. <laughs> I just want to scream. <laughs> like With a girl, happiness. Like a girl. <laughs> like Bonnie Langford. Right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I- as for Mark and I, I think next week we maybe will talk about Tom Baker as we had planned to this week. It's <laughs> a way forward. Yeah. So, uh, um, oh, I think one thing before we go, you yeah. should give us uh, where to find the blog and how to get the book. Yeah, it's uh, wifeinspace.com. And um, you can buy it. There's a link on there to Amazon, but there are other, obviously, places you can buy it that do pay tax. Yeah. So you can go there instead if you want. <laughs> So, the wife in space, or adventures with the wife in space. Adventures it's a book with adventures wife. with. It's yeah. called Adventures with the Wife in Space. Um, living with Doctor Who is the subtitle. All right, and that's Sue living with you because at the time she thought you were going to be cast as the twelfth Doctor, <laughs> and now it's too late to change the cover of the book. Yeah, it's far too late now, and that's out the seventh of November. Pre-order it now. <laughs> Please. Excellent. Well, it's going to be a big seller. I get the feeling we'll it's going to be a big seller. Fingers yeah. crossed. I hope so. Yeah, we wish you every success. Thank you very much. Oh, absolutely. Right. I was JR. I was Mark. And I was Neil. And we'll speak again soon. Mm-hmm.